Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Today's lesson is called 10 Tips to Help You Run Your Race. And if you're thinking, I don't want to run a race... I want to float down the water on a cloud. That's not what God had in mind for us. So let me open in prayer, and then we'll take the 10 points. And for those that wander in after we start, I'll recap before we close. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have given us so much material, so many obvious things in, in nature to bring us to the realization of how you care for us and how you expect us to run the race that you've set before us. Father, bless us. And Father, anoint my mouth to only say the words and the thoughts that you want these wonderful people to hear. And all God's people said, amen. Well, as I said, you're in a race, and the first thing is to enjoy it. Now, that's real easy when things are going okay. When there's more than enough money to make all the bills, and your health is uh, pretty good, And the car is still running and is nice and shiny. It's real easy to enjoy the race. And it's real easy to wake up in the morning and say, oh, thank you, Father, for another day. But that's not necessarily the race that God calls us to during our whole lifetime. Now, I don't know why God gives us challenges. I'll have to check in with him when I get home to heaven. But it seems like we have seasons that are really good. And then not because of sin and not because of anything we've done wrong, there's kind of a dip down. There's kind of a process to go through. And that's that's the race that we'll be talking about today. So first of all, know that you're going to have a race. Number two is run your race, not somebody else's. Uh, I believe it was last Sunday when I taught, and I was explaining how the Lord talked to Pastor Tiz and gave her exactly what she needed in order for her to get her healing. But when the Lord talked to me about getting my healing, it was a different message. And the, the, the star issue there is when you have something that you need to do, God will give you specific instructions on what you're supposed to do. Now, if you're going to be playing basketball, figuratively speaking, God's not going to put you in a football suit. And if you look at everybody in the sanctuary and say they're all wearing football helmets, but you've been called to play basketball, then that's when you need to have the confidence to know that you're hearing from God and run your own race. Don't run someone else's. Don and I teach the marriage class. Marriages are unique. Everyone is different. There are some basic principles that God put in place that we've talked about before, like gravity. You know, you can have a good marriage and not be a a Christian at all. But there are some biblical principles that if they behave those and act on those biblical principles, they'll have a good marriage. But a lot of believers have this idea that marriage is going to be their answer to prayer, not realizing that marriage is going to be their assignment, Okay, so run your race, not somebody else's. So don't run the race that your girlfriend has in her marriage. Don't run the race that your mom and dad had. Remember, when your mom married your father, he wasn't the way he was when you came along. She had a few years to pray for him and and help him and honor him so that by the time you became a junior high or a high school young girl looking at your daddy and thinking, I want to marry a man just like him, 
you may not want the way he wedged originally. So run your own race. That's number two. Number three, know who's for you and who's against you. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that's mad at you. I'm not talking about somebody that is out to get you. I'm talking about when someone comes against you, you know it's not them. It's the devil. So we have to know that we do not fight against flesh and blood. But that's hard when someone's being mean to you, isn't it? Good morning. Come on in. Have a cup of coffee or a donut and you're good to go. (laughs) When someone is rude to you, mean to you, steals something from you, it's hard not to look into their face and go, why did you do that? Why did you do that? But we have to remember that it's not them. It's the devil that we're fighting. We are talking about 10 tips to run your race. And so the first tip is that um, enjoy the ride and realize that we are in a race, whether we want to float on a cloud or not. Um, That's our assignment. And then the second point was uh, run your race, not somebody else's. So my example, because I always use sports, because it's real easy to understand that. If you've been called to run a race of basketball, and you come into church and everybody is playing football, and they have football helmets, you might be tempted to slip a helmet on and think, I must have missed God's call. But our assignment is to know which race God has uniquely called us to. Um, Camping here for a second on point two. Remember, God hand-packed you for the assignment that he has. So if you were raised in a family where you didn't quite fit in, it's not that you're wrong or need to be fixed. It's that you have talents and gifts that God wants you to have in order to run your race. Okay. Number three, then, is know who's for you and who's against you. And it's not people. It's the devil. And that's hard sometimes. But the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Number four, know who you are. Know who you are. Praise God we're in a church where Pastor Larry teaches the authority of a believer. Praise God he just taught all of us that we start by binding what it is that's coming against us, pulling out the weeds, and then speaking what it is we're believing for. Again, sometimes that's hard when you're not seeing what you're believing for. But you continue binding. You continue speaking the things that you want. When you go up for prayer with Pastor Larry... Rather than telling the story, what he wants to hear is, what are you believing for? How can I agree with you in prayer? And a lot of times when people come up to me and they start telling me a story, and it's like, it's bad enough you had to live that. Don't put it in my head. So realize we're not talking about the circumstances that we look at necessarily. What we're dealing with is, this is where I am, but this is where I'm believing. Because then we can grab a hold of your hands and pull you in to what you're believing for. So that's point number four. Oh, number, yeah. Okay, number five. Know when you are, um, know you have been a has-been. <laughs> I laughed when I read that. See, I don't have to worry about what I did in high school and college. That was a has-been. I'm not that person anymore. I can learn from it. And I can help someone else walk out of it, but I don't have to carry that around. I can still remember the time when I was rehearsing, I'll say, some of the things that I had done. And was just, you know, bemoaning to to the Lord, I'm so sorry for this and that. And God just dropped into my spirit, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, well, I thought you knew everything. (laughs) Like, did you confess it? Yes. Doesn't my word say? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Yes. Then what are you talking about? It's like, wow. There are different times when I've been in my car driving when God and I have these wonderful conversations, and that was one of the sweet ones. That was back before we even moved to Murray Hill, Don. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I don't have to carry that baggage. I can drop it. And just like the experience of being saved when you feel, oh, that everything has been lifted off of you, knowing who you are is another one of those times where you just go, oh, my gosh. In fact, every morning when I put on the armor of God, because I realize what's out there, and I'm not about to leave the house without the armor, and I thank God for the shoes, because those shoes go all the way up, and I can go through the world, and I don't have to worry about territorial spirits, assignments, words against me, because they see the blood of Jesus. Not because of me, but because of the blood of Jesus. So I I definitely know I have my has-been, and I love the fact that I can walk in in the blood of Jesus. Um, Number six is... um, Quit trying and start relying. That's one of those pithy little sentences that's kind of fun. Quit trying and start relying. You see, when we're trying to figure something out in the flesh, when we're trying to make decisions about what to do and what not to do, and we pull in our education, we pull in our experiences, and we try to figure out and plan, and we stew, and God is saying, start relying. Start relying on him. And believe that if you step out, and as I've always said, even if you're going the wrong direction, if you step out, God can tweak you as you're moving. He can't tweak your sitting. You have to start. So rely on him, trust him, have faith in him, that if you step out to do something, he will direct your path. It's kind of fun, really, to kind of be out there on the edge and realize that you have no clue what's next, but you know that God is, and that you lift up your foot, and you get ready to step it down, and every single time, he brings the the ground up and meets you, and it's sturdy enough that you don't have to worry about anything. So quit trying and start relying. Number seven is let go and let God. That's probably the hardest one for women. I'm not excluding the men in the room, but um, for women, we always think that we're responsible for so many pieces in the family, in in the the work environment. Mm, A lot of us carry the burden of, I'm working outside the home, so I'm really not a good mother. Or you're a mother in the home, and you're saying, I'm only a mother. I don't get to work outside and experience. And so we vacillate back and forth between what is our job, and heaven forbid that one of our kids make a mistake in their growing up years. What did I do wrong? How did I, how did I let this happen? So sometimes we have to let go and say, Lord, I turn them over to you. Now, I can promise you <laughs> that's not an easy step, but it is the only step that works. It's the only step that allows you to exhale. So whether it be a child, a grandchild, a husband, a brother, sister, mother, father, you give them to the Lord, just literally give them to the Lord and then thank God for making a way for you to be in relationship. If it's a sibling or a parent, thank God that you're healing a marriage. If it's a spouse, thank God that you're bringing that child back into a godly way of living. And then don't worry about the circumstances. Don't say that prayer. And then next Friday, when they're out doing something they ought not be doing, say, Lord, I thought, remember, this is a race. The gun doesn't go off, and you don't step one step to the finish line. It's a race. So you continue saying, 
Good morning. Welcome. So you continue saying, thank you, Father. Thank you for restoring my health. Thank you for for making my marriage work so well. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Because God's word again says, say those things as that, uh, that aren't as though they are. And although that goes against all of our human wisdom, with a small w, by the way, that's what God has instructed us to do. We need to speak those things that aren't thanking him that they have happened. And then believe, because you've already let go and let God, that it will happen. Now, this is where a timeline comes in. When um, I was fighting for my health to be restored from the diagnosis of cancer, and it didn't come right away. And for those of you that have been in the class for a long time, you know that uh, it was about a three-year battle where the results in the natural kept coming back worse and worse and worse. So I understand how circumstances can sometimes cause us to go, what the heck? (laughs) And even start doubting, well, is it God's will? Does he really want me healed? Maybe I'm supposed to be one of those happy Christians that dies on the deathbed. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know. So you have to know what the Bible says. So first of all, you have to know that he wants you healed and whole. Sozo salvation means nothing missing and nothing broken. So that means your health, your relationships, your finances, your children, your grandchildren, your career. Those are the things that are supposed to be healed. But the race has to be done by you. Heaven forbid that we should get home to heaven and discover that everything was just right around the corner. But we stopped the race. We started believing the circumstances rather than believing what God promised. Now, my grandson, as I've confessed before, um, was very creative in his life choices and ended up in a circumstance that no one would want their child or grandchild in. But I'm on staff here, so I get fed on a regular basis. So I knew I'm going to start believing that this is Connor. Circumstances were back there. But I kept believing. So as God continued to work with Connor and bring him back to a good place, when he arrived, I was more like, that's about time. Thank you, Lord. Where a lot of the people who were watching him were like, oh my gosh, it's a miracle of God. And I'm already over here like, well, of course it's a miracle of God. I've been in this miracle stance for about three years now. That's the beauty. Be one of those believers. Be one of those that when it finally happens, you go, of course. I know it. And we'll celebrate with you because we didn't stand in your race. We didn't see everything you were going through. So we'll call it a miracle and we'll whoop and holler and celebrate with you. But you will have the confidence of knowing that what you believed for, what you were running the race for happened because you stayed strong and you relied on God. It's all about Jesus. That's another conversation I'm going to have with God when I get home to heaven. It would seem to me he could figure out a different way for us to get saved than to have his son, Jesus, go through everything that he went through. But praise God, he did. But remember, when you put the blood of Jesus and apply it to a circumstance, then that's when you know why he bled at that location how that blood applies to your life. And when you apply it and you claim it, then you know that it's because Jesus paid a price for us to be whole. Again, I don't know how God figured all this out. I'm not God, so I don't, I don't understand those things. But I'm so thankful that Jesus was willing to become a man, was willing to live a normal life 
knowing things that were coming, that he was willing to make the sacrifice of his life and take the beating that he took in order for us to be saved. Now, I know that in heaven there is no time, and I've always hoped that when Jesus was on the earth, that time to him went faster than what it does for us. Because <laughs> I would hope that he didn't have to spend 33 years going through earth life <laughs> rather than heaven life. I don't know how that works. But I do believe that God would have given him supernatural power, supernatural strength, supernatural wisdom, so that it wasn't as bad a road, a race that he ran is what I might look at from the outside. I also was pleased to hear when Pastor Larry talked about the last thing that Jesus said on the cross. Um, and it's always been interpreted, you know, why have you forsaken me? And that never made sense to me either. I confess, I grew up as a good Baptist girl, and I had a wonderful church family and wonderful training. But that phrase never made sense to me. <laughs> and I heard the sermons about he got all the sin and God had to turn away. And it's like, that just doesn't sound right to me. So when Pastor Larry was talking about the last thing that Jesus said is, this is why you have fortified me. And a lot of people are going, no, that can't be. And I thought, well, now hang on here. In the English language, we have a word that means three different things. I'm just picking one of them. There are several. Two. T-W-O means two items. I went to the store. T-O. That's a moving one. I like that too. That's one that's two O's that says, I like that as well. So one spoken word that has three entirely different meanings. So why is it so hard for us to, to stretch and say, well, he may have said something that meant something else, but by golly, this is why you have fortified me? Certainly makes a lot more sense than why have you deserted me? <laughs> so praise God we're in a church where pastor continues researching and studying. When uh, Don and I were talking this morning and I was mentioning that, you know, when, when pastor gets ready to do another high holiday, he, he studies and studies and studies and reads and reads and reads because his goal is every holiday he bring a new revelation. And because, as he says, most of the people that he interacts with, they think he is a rabbi. So they share everything with him. <laughs> and he doesn't hide the fact that he's a pastor. He just, you know, kind of goes into these chat rooms. But his knowledge and his questions that he asks make them believe that he truly is a rabbi. So he really studies, presses in, says, Lord, what, what do you want me to give the people now? So every single holiday, we don't have to say, oh, it's another Christmas. I know this story. I know how it ends. We know that he will have a fresh revelation. And praise God, he's willing to, to reach in like that. But that's his race. That's what he's been called to. So I'm just thankful that we're, we're in the teaching of that. Okay, it's all about Jesus. Number 10, be relevant. Now, what in the heck does that mean, be relevant? Sometimes we remember the songs that we sang when we first got saved. When we were in high school, junior high, they mean so much to us. And then when we hear songs that are not quite like that, we allow ourselves to go, eh, rather than, what does the Bible say? Stir yourself up. 
I promise you, I don't care who's on that platform. It is my job that when a note comes out of a mouth that I say, thank you, Jesus, and I enter in. Some Sundays, it's harder than other Sundays. But no matter what is up front, I'm going to go with the part that's relevant. If somebody else is going to get more out of that music, why would I stay stuck in the 60s and 70s? Nothing else has happened that way, although I do have to confess. My girlfriend and I were shopping this weekend, and we happened to notice that a lot of the clothes and jewelry are like what we had in high school. And then she reminded me, this is the second time they've come back as retro. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But some things are classics and other things aren't. So as much as possible, say, okay, this is, this is how God is choosing to deliver his message of good news in today's society, and I will join in. I will cheer on whoever it is that's racing. I will carry a cup of water by them to give them a drink as they hit their finish line. I will do what's relevant in today's society so that I don't miss out. Amen? Okay. Now, some of you came in early, and some of you came in a little bit later. So I'm going to run through the points one more time again. First of all, it says, enjoy the ride. And that's hard to do when your circumstances are hard. But God doesn't say, be sad, and that's what will make you strong. (laughs) His scripture says, the joy of the Lord is a strength. So even if you're in hard circumstances, it's your responsibility to have joy. It's your responsibility to not be touchy. It's your responsibility to not complain and take everything as an insult. Everything is something that's going wrong. God doesn't bless a grump. I can promise you that. Now, I need to step over here just for a second and explain the difference between an office and an anointing because there are some offices that have grumps in them. So let me explain how that works. When God gives you an office... It's non-detachable. It's yours. And for those of you who read through the Bible every single year, you'll read about some of those characters in the Old Testament that were really kind of jerky, but they were in an office. And God's word says, don't touch God's anointed. So it is not our job to critique them, send them emails, letters, whatever. When they are in an office, we honor that office. But their behavior sometimes can be a little bit unusual. Now, if you happen to have an opportunity to pray for somebody who needs a healing and they get healed, praise God. But that does not mean you have the office of healing. It means that you were a vessel that was willing to be used at that time to bring the power of God through to that individual. So you don't get to be grumpy. You don't get to be touchy. And you don't get to be cranky because you ain't got that office. (laughs) I'm not sure God puts a lot of people in uh, offices in one particular church because he needs that office to be strong enough to collect people and teach people and feed people so that the people go out and do God's work. So I'm not sure there are a lot of people in this church that have an office, but I do know Pastor Larry and Pastor Tiz too, and I honor them, don't critique them, and I honor the office that God has called them to. When uh, we look back over the years of Pastors Larry and Tiz and all the different revelations that God had given to them and how he could have just tweaked it a bit and made so much more money, and he didn't. He stayed true to the call. 
So the first revelation that came out of him was um, the seven places that, no, the first one was breaking generational curses, yeah. And that was dynamic and amazing. And then the next revelation that he got was the seven places where Jesus shed his blood. And he taught that, and he was true to that. He didn't step back from it. He didn't make money off of it. He just he literally shared. And by the way, his books, if anybody ever writes and says, you know, we want to quote you in one of your books or something, it's like, absolutely, you have freedoms to do that. We want to teach a class over here in, in Australia from one of your books. Absolutely. Can we send you some? I mean, it's not like he's waiting to to make money off of every sale. It's like this is information that he wrote in order for it to be received by more than just a few people. So I think that's kind of cool to to be working in a ministry where that takes place. Well, anyway, okay, next. So then he got the revelation that Jesus was a Jew. And that was hard for him to swallow because he had been taught replacement theology. He'd been taught that God was through with the Jewish people. So he had to kind of readjust everything in his brain and then say, I'm going to read the Bible with Jewish eyes rather than Western eyes. And that is the revelation that brought him to Dallas, Texas. And a number of us that were with him in Portland followed as well. But also the revelation that opened up his ability to interact with the government in Israel. With the change of the guard right now in Israel, we don't support them because of who the prime minister is. We support Israel and her people because God told us to. And so we pray for the prime minister. We pray for the people that are making decisions and leadership, but we continue supporting Israel because that's what God has called us to. If you've been in too many Sunday services, you've heard pastor talk about uh, not moving in the gifts with a lot of the hoopla. And I have watched other ministries who have continued with being slain in the spirit and a number of manifestations of, of joy and, and worship. And I knew that God had pulled pastor back from that because he can certainly move in the gifts and operate. I've told the story before, but Don and I were in a service one Sunday when he was doing an anointing service. And he, the spirit fell and he was just walking down the aisle and would put his hand on the bowl of oil and would lift his hand and the whole row would go down. Now those were no courtesy drops. Nancy does not fall on the floor in her Sunday clothes, trust me. <laughs> and I woke up on the floor with my head under a chair like, whoa, all right then. <laughs> so pastor can move in the gifts. So, you know, I'm curious and I have these conversations with God in my car and I was like, okay, Lord, why did you pull him back from that? He's capable. And God said, would Israel have responded to him if he had been operating that way? Like, oh my gosh, once again, you're right. Once again, you're right, Lord. He almost pulled back to a point where everything that he said was extremely palatable to those Jewish people who were trying to figure out how to reach across the aisle. He gave them a Jewish Jesus. He gave them a sense of stability. He gave them a gracious human being, which are all things that the Jewish community admires. Now he can move in the gifts because there's relationship. They trust him. They know him. They know what he's about. Now's the time for him to move in the gifts to where they can say, wait a second, those are our miracles. Wait a second, how come you have all that? Remember he teaches? We'll drive them to jealousy. So I think God is pretty wise in the way he unfolds things and does things. But as we run our daily race, there's some things that we need to keep in mind. So we had the enjoy the, the ride, run your race, not somebody else's. 
know who's for you and who's against you. And that was know that it's a devil. If somebody does something against you, steals something from you, fires you from a job, whatever, it's not them. It's the devil. And the most important thing is to say, Lord, you've got something better for me. Uh huh. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And for us to be strong and move to the next level, then we have to quickly grab a hold of the thoughts that are racing around in our brain and out of our mouth, let it fall. Father, thank you for what you're bringing to me. I don't understand it. And quite honestly, Lord, it feels kind of creepy, but I know your word and I know who you are and I know who I am in you. So I'm going to keep my eyes open and my mouth shut. And here we go. And then you enjoy and you start looking. Now, as you do that, I'll, I'll admit a lot of people will go. I think she's lost it because you're speaking those things that aren't. That's why it's so important to get around brothers and sisters in the Lord. So where we can lock arms with you. We can say, I heard you lost your job and I'm sorry about that. God must have something better in store for you. Come, let's, let's, let's walk through this together. Let, let's, let's do this together. Let's pray right now and then pray and help them. That's what the body of Christ does. We nurture each other and then we take that love and that nurturing out to the world because the world is desperate for it right now okay so enjoy the ride run your race know who's for you and who's against you know who you are know that you are a has-been i I love that one everything that was wrong with your past every bad decision that you ever made that's a has-been you aren't that anymore so don't carry it and the only person that brings it up is the devil So when the devil tries to rattle that around in your brain and convince you that you really don't deserve this, you go, Satan, get out of my mind. I am the forgiven. And realize that when God looks at you, he puts on a pair of glasses that have the blood of Jesus on them. And when he looks at you through those glasses, he sees perfection. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. It means he sees us as perfect. Nothing missing and nothing broken. How sweet is that? Okay, and then the next point, um, quit trying and start relying. It, I understand it is hard to just jump into God's arms, but that's the, the number one basic principle. Are most of you in this room saved? Would you say, yes, I'm saved? Okay, we trust him with our life and our eternity. Why in the world wouldn't we trust him with our marriage and our finances? <laughs> if he's going to save us, if we believe him for that, then we can certainly believe him for the other promises that are in the Bible. Next one is, Let go and let God. And as I said earlier, because we're well-educated and we're from the Western society, we always think we have a little bit we can help God, add a little extra, explain to them what they're doing wrong. I'll share a quick story with you. As I was being creative in my high school and college days, um, my mother, both my parents are in heaven, and um, my mother felt that it was her responsibility to share with me everything that I was doing wrong. Now, I already knew what I was doing wrong, so I didn't need her input. And all it did was just kind of, uh, 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 be away. And I can still remember I was not even being nice in my life choices. And I sat down on my front porch with my dad and I said, dad, my life has just not turned out right. I don't seem to be making good decisions. And he turned to me and said, Nancy, you've got the wisdom of God inside of you. I know you're going to make right choices. And that statement just pulled me right out of where I was. And it's like, by golly, I got a responsibility here. There was no guilt, no condemnation. There was an honest love where he said, you've got the spirit of God in you. I know you'll make right decisions. 
He was speaking those things that weren't as if they were. (laughs) But it's what drew me back. It wasn't all of the times my mom explained to me what I was doing wrong. God rest her soul. She thought she was doing, and she was doing the best that she could with what she had to work with. But somehow daddy had a revelation that was far earlier than what is normal. That if I was going to step out of the mess I was in, I needed to have the confidence that I had the wisdom of God inside of me. Now, I'd love to say that everything turned around in two weeks. It didn't. But that was the first time where I felt like, huh, okay, I can do this. And I was still running a race. It was not comfortable. I was in a football uniform, and I should have been in a basketball uniform. So I had to get rid of a helmet, and I had to get rid of pads, and I had to get rid of spike shoes and everything else, which was sin. And just keep going until I got to the spot where this is where I'm supposed to be. But Daddy's words kept ringing in my mind. And in my spirit. And I don't think I'd be here today if he hadn't had the courage to believe that God would bring his daughter out of bad circumstances. Amen? So let's, uh, oh, oh, this one, I'm not even sure I said this one. Number eight, it's not about you. Well, darn. It's not about me. That's kind of sad. That's number eight. I'll go through all these again in case you're taking notes so you can get it. Um, As we're walking through the world, people just run into you, not because they don't like you or they're mad at you or anything. They're just people. And they will run into you and bump around as they're going through the world. So don't take it personal. Don't assume that everything that is starting to come against you is is of the devil and start shondalabipping it away. Some things are just life circumstances. Driving is one of those things. Pastor's the first one to admit when somebody's in the fast lane and they're driving so that, you know, he gets upset. I have followed him. I have to tell you, he doesn't necessarily drive in the fast lane unless he has a reason to go fast. He's not that kind of driver. But we've been on the road with drivers that are like that. Have we all? Yes, we have. So they're not out to get you. If someone pulls in front of you, back off and say, bless their hearts. They must have someplace they need to get to. Lord, protect them and protect the people that are around them. I promise you, that gives you such a sense of power. Because when you go, what the, mm, and get right on their tail or honk your horn or whatever, it's not good for your digestion or theirs either. So let the joy of the Lord just kind of go through. And you say, well, isn't that kind of a weak way to be? No. It takes no strength whatsoever to be mean. All you have to do is let your flesh take over. A strong person is one who controls their emotions and controls their mouth. Okay, we just have a little bit of time left. So I'm just going to re- read through all 10 of these again for anybody that's taking notes. Enjoy the ride. That means be happy where you are. Run your race, not somebody else's. Don't plan on getting your miracle the way somebody else did. Know who's for you and who's against you. Know who you're fighting. It's the devil. Know who you are, who you are in Christ, the power that you have in the Holy Spirit. Know that you are a has-been. That means all of your sins are forgiven. As we confess them, they go away. So confess them and get rid of them. And then walk in that glory. Number six is quit trying and start relying. Rely on God. Read his word. Figure out what it says. It's all in there. I promise you. Number seven, let go and let God. Don't keep picking it up. Oftentimes we give God something and then pretty soon we're walking around the mountain again and picking it up and carrying it with us. So let, let God have it and let him keep it. Number eight, it's not about you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish it were. Um, not everything that happens is about us. It's about people bumping into us. And remember, don't, don't tell them what they're doing wrong. <laughs> Wait 
and then just say, you know, you've got the spirit of God in you. I know you'll make good choices and love them back into the pathway of righteousness. So that's number eight. Number nine, it's all about Jesus. Jesus has paid the price. Amen. Number 10, be relevant. Billy Graham is the one that says the gospel message is not changed at all. It's about God's love for his people and Jesus's willingness to sacrifice. However, the method of delivering that message, that changes. Probably for me, just because of my age, the Jesus movement was the sweetest thing that I've experienced. Because all of a sudden, all of these strange hippies, and I would not have been in Pastor Larry's circle. I I would have walked on the other side of the street. I would have been one of those religious jerks. Um, And if he came to church, I I may hunt for a man to go pray with him. I, I wouldn't you know, looking like what he did, smelling. Can you only imagine? Oh, bless his heart. But the mythology, the methods of how we deliver that message has to change. We have to realize that somebody may not wear a suit to church. They may wear tight jeans. They may wear something that 20 years ago wasn't appropriate, but the method has to change. The method has to be inclusive. The method has to be something that says, we love you. God loves you. And as we love them and pull them in and speak into their lives and keep pulling them and keep pulling them, eventually they turn into incredible human beings. Now, be careful that you don't pat yourself on the back and go, ain't I cool? Had nothing to do with you. Remember, it's not about you. (laughs) It means that you were obeying God, that it was a call that God had on your life, and you were able to walk with somebody just like somebody walked with you to get you on a pathway for blessing. Well, those are the 10 points. If you're listening to this tape, hopefully you're taking some notes because sometimes it helps to go back and reread and remember. And if you're going to use this material, put your own stories in there. Put your own stories in. Have it personalize it. Make it yours. I don't tell their stories. I tell my stories because I know my stories. I can say hallelujah, praise the Lord for all the things that he's done for me and my family. So that's my race. What's your race today? Are you on one of those downhill spots where it's so sweet and easy, and if you're riding a bike, you can lift your feet and just coast downhill? You can't see them, but they're all shaking their head no. (laughs) Or are you in a spot where it's kind of bumpy and you're trying to navigate through? Just remember, God is with you in the low times and the high times. God is for you in the low times and the high times. God has given us instructions on what to do in the low times and the high times. And when we're going through something, he really is on the other side going, sweetheart, sweetheart, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes. Keep walking. Keep walking. Don't pay any attention. Don't don't, test results. Don't look at them. No, no. What they said, what they're doing, don't look at them. Sweetheart, keep your eyes on me. Keep coming. Keep your mouth for saying those things. Come on. Come on. That's it. Come on. He is pulling for you. He is trying to say, come on. I want you to win. For crying out loud, Jesus paid a horrendous price for you to win. Step into it. So whatever race you're running today, congratulations. (laughs) Let's have some fun in it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everyone who has set aside this time this morning to come and be together. Lord, I know that each one of us has a separate race that you've called us to run. And I know sometimes, Father, it's very, very difficult. But we also know from the word of the testimony of people around us and from your word that you are for us, and if we obey and do what you tell us to do, that we can have everything restored that we're looking for. Father, thank you so much 
thank you so much. We praise you. We worship you. We know we're not worthy, Father, and we thank you that you made a way for us to be in relationship with you. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you know every detail of our life. Cover us, Father, with your your Holy Spirit, with the blood of Jesus. Give us your wisdom today. And let us leave this room sharing the good news and the love that you desire us to share. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.